Good morning. How are you all? Gary's good. Debbie's good. The rest of you are questionable. Sharpest basketballs, as we say. So, I, uh, I want to just jump into it this morning. Uh, it's good to be with you again. It's good to, in a sense, be back. Feeling a little better. We're getting there day by day. Junior youth, uh, you are released calmly, slowly, as if that's possible. I know to lock my office when they're going up there so that I get back and it's in one piece. So, you guys good? Everything good? Who went on vacation recently? <laughs> Who's still going on vacation? You guys need to take some vacations, man. Wow. I encourage you to do that. All right, so I'm going to uh, switch us on airplane mode because otherwise my friends text me. They do. They text me to make sure that it's not off and they can see my reaction when, they used to, when we used to stream and then they keep texting me. It's so mean. But I, I wonder if you could uh, open your Bibles to the book of Galatians. Book of Galatians, I, I'm actually going away for the next, uh, well, next week I won't be here. I'm looking very forward to it. We're trying to have a vacation with our children, which will be wonderful. Wasn't it a wonderful time of worship? You know, you cannot buy the presence of the Lord. You cannot. I don't care who you are, your status. You, you just cannot. I don't care how much money you have. Not for a second can you purchase that. You just cannot. And um, it's a wonderful, a wonderful time to worship the Lord. But I want to speak to you this morning about dying to live. Dying to live. And uh, somebody, a few people commented, like Johnny Cash, a man in black. I didn't mean to dress all in black and speak about death, but <laughs> that's what I'm doing. And so, uh, yeah, I can't sing like Johnny Cash. If I could, I'd probably have more money. But dying to live. Last week was so powerful, I felt, with my mother preaching. And um, not just because she's my mom. Uh, you know, my mother's been preaching to me all my life. You know what that's like. But because, it, and it was, I'm not saying it wasn't eloquent, but it, it was good. But it didn't come from this top, high-profile, paid speaker, eloquent genius who's heard all these wonderful things and can put them together in a way that seems beautiful. It was good, but it came from a lived life, and you can tell the difference. I've seen my mother live what she spoke last week. She talked about sowing to the Spirit. How do you sow to the Spirit? Because then you reap from the Spirit. How do you do that practically? The Bible says that in Galatians. Sow to the Spirit. Sow to the Spirit. To sow to the Spirit realm. Sow to your Spirit. Sow to the Spirit. Sow to the things of the kingdom. And you will reap that. And she spoke about how to do that. Just many practical ways. And I can tell you, everything she said, she's lived. For as long as I can remember. She always has. And I just, it had this wealth of just experience to it. And, uh, and I was just very, very grateful to that. So I actually want to continue from that, but from a different perspective. And I want to look at, we're going to read actually a large portion of the book of Galatians over today. The Bible says to give yourself to public reading of Scripture. But the book of Galatians, to me personally, I don't know why, it took a hold of my heart soon after I got saved. And it's what taught me the gospel. I would study it, I would read it, I would weep over it. I'd have, in a sense, encounters when I would read the book of Galatians. It just always meant something very powerful to me. And so I want to give you a quick few contexts about the book, and then we will 
uh, look at going through it in a certain, there's a certain thread that we're going to look at today. Uh, if you had to look at the book of Galatians and say, what is one of the central repeated emphasis that Paul is trying to bring across? is the truth of the gospel. He says it over and over and over, the truth of the gospel, the truth of the gospel. And it's what had happened is he had gone on a journey. You can read it in Acts 13, 14. He had gone on a journey and he had planted a bunch of churches, uh, which was in Sidon and Antioch, in Iconium, in Lystra, and in Derbe, those four. And all of those four in in the area of Galatia, the provinces of Galatia, and he goes, and there's signs and wonders at one church. They beg them to continue preaching. The one church, they try to keep sacrificing to him. The signs and wonders and the power of his preaching was so much that they thought he was a god, even though he told them that he wasn't. It says they could barely keep, him, keep the people from sacrificing to him. And then as the, the mob is fickle, they turned on him, you know, a little while later, and then stoned him. And I think he died. It's kind of hard to tell, but he says he got up, went back into town, and carried on preaching. So... He has this incredible journey, plants these churches, and then this group of people come in called Judaizers, which were Jewish people that were struggling to leave the law, seeing that Christ had fulfilled the law, struggling to leave the law, and actually put their faith in Christ fully. Fully. That Jesus is enough. And they were struggling with that. So they were going into these churches that he had planted and saying what we call Jesus plus. Jesus, yes, Jesus for salvation, but Jesus plus circumcision, which was from the covenant of Abraham. Or Jesus plus the Old Testament law. You've got to still got to keep the law like a Jew does. And it's called Jesus plus. So Romans presents the gospel as an answer to human sinfulness, humanity's sinfulness. It presents the gospel as an answer, but Galatians clarifies the message against this ever so subtle thing that still creeps in the church today, salvation by works. And we all know we get saved by grace, but then we try to start to work for everything that comes after salvation. Hello? Is it just me? None of you? Okay, great. Well, let's swap places. Who wants to come? No. We try to work. We just did legalism and religiosity is a default setting in us. There's something in us that wants to earn. And God has prepared good works for us. The Bible says that. But we seem to continually fall into a trap where we want to earn the things that He's given to us for free, like His love, like salvation like our position, like our authority, like the Holy Spirit. We continually want to earn what He's given instead of going over here and take what He's given and walk in the good works that He's called us to. And it's because of this issue that we find in Galatians. This subtle thing that comes into churches and into the church, capital C, which is legalism, legalistic sanctification, you have to earn it. Somebody has a revelation over here, it's like, wow, it changes their life. Now they go and try to put it on everybody else. I've got some laughs there. That means, yeah, someone did that to me. I did it. When I had a revelation of grace, I used to, I traveled around and just still in South Africa. I was young, 22, 23, but I had such a revelation of the grace of God. I would travel around to churches. I used to go on like a speaking in different places, different cities. 
And I would, in a sense, beat people with the truth of God's grace. You've got to get this, you stupid Christian. You know, you got to, you should be free. What's wrong with you? You know, you should not be guilty. Jesus has done everything. And then the Lord said to me, maybe you should be gracious <laughs> with grace. I'm like, yeah, that's, hmm, maybe it's got to do a work in me still. And that, in a sense, is what Galatians is about. And these Judaizers were Jesus plus. Somebody said it this way. It's, they were bringing in, and it's the same today, Jesus plus circumcision, or Jesus plus Sabbath. People still struggle with that today. Jesus plus observation of special days. Oh boy, that's a golden calf. Jesus plus Jewish feasts. Jesus plus kosher foods. Jesus plus water baptism. Jesus plus the baptism of the Spirit. Jesus plus communion. Jesus plus penance. Jesus plus, that ain't the gospel. The gospel is sufficient in the cross of Jesus Christ. That's it. Jesus plus nothing. And that is what he contends for. So he speaks heavily about law and grace. Law and grace. Law and grace. And sometimes it gets confusing. But I encourage you, if you want to find freedom in God, go and read the book of Galatians slowly. When you don't understand something, stop and read it and slow and read it and Find out, get a commentary, speak to someone. Just this book. You can read it in 45 minutes. It's not that very long, but it will, it will bring you into a freedom that you cannot imagine. The freedom of the truth of the gospel. So, he speaks heavily about law versus grace. And. This is, some of you have heard this before, but the law was never meant to save us. We know that. We're still on an intro. It's a long intro. The law was never meant to save us. The law was given by the Lord. It was put into the earth to reveal His righteous requirement, the demand of perfection for fellowship with Him, to point to, to show people that they can't do it. That was part of the big point, that you can't. So you need a Savior, someone who does not have inherent sin. And so they changed the law and made it easier to live up to so that they could do it, and that's why Jesus really got mad with the Pharisees. That's like thousands of years in a, a sentence. He said, you, you really missed the whole point. The law was actually supposed to be like a thermometer. You know when you're sick, you take, well, you used to put it under your tongue, now you, you scan a person's head. But a thermometer tells you that you have a fever. A thermometer tells you that you're sick, but it can't solve or cure you. It just points. There's a problem. That's what the law is. It's a thermometer. It points. Problem. You've heard me say it this way. This is the way the Lord showed it to me. The, uh, the law is like a flashlight. If you take a flashlight up into an attic that's been still for many years, you shine the flashlight, you don't say, man, look at all the dust the flashlight created. No, that's stupid. Dust's always been there. The flashlight reveals it. There's dust. There's a problem. That's what the law does. And you don't use the flashlight as a tool to get rid of the dust. It just shows. Look, problem. That's the law. So Galatians has been called by many commentators the book, the Magna Carta of Christian liberty or Christian freedom, the liberty of a believer. And yet, in this incredible book about freedom, there is a thread that runs through here about dying to self. It seems odd. It seems like the opposite of what the book is saying. 
And that's what I want to look at today. This thread that runs through, I call it, I've never heard this preached on. This was revealed to me a number of years back. Actually, uh, Aaron and I, Aaron Thomas and I, we chatted about this once when we did the Galatians series. But I call it the five deaths in Galatians. There are five times that this word crucified. Five deaths. And we're simply going to look at them today. And I trust that as we read Scripture, because we're going to read a big portion of it, I won't get to go through it all, obviously, but that it stirs your heart to stand for the Lord in, when the world has gone crazy. You don't abandon them, but things will start to be required of God's people that may be a little difficult, and that's what these guys were facing. So, can we look at that? These are the, just give me, let me give you the bluff, which is the bottom line up front. Galatians 5, death. First is Galatians 3, Christ is crucified. Obviously, the death of Christ, and after every death comes the resurrection. Uh, Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. That's a person being saved. Galatians 5.24, you crucify the flesh with its passions. Oh, that's a fun one. Galatians 6.15, Paul says, for the world has been crucified to me. Talk about that. And Galatians 6.15, and I have been crucified to the world. These five times, these five things. Now, they, I'm not trying to complicate it. It all, when you get saved, you're saved. Your old man dies. In a sense, there's only one time you die until you die physically. But they are st- the Holy Spirit will lead you through successions of let that go now. Give that up now. And it's, sometimes it's like a death. And the book of Galatians shows us a bit of that. So can we read? Let's go to Galatians 1. Sadly, I've had to buy glasses. Now I can see. I feel like my dad. <laughs> Except his, letter, his Bible, it's like, you know, and. I mean, the letters are so big. So, it says here, Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brethren who are with me. So I will start by saying this, anything you are or anything you can be or anything you can become in the kingdom does not come from man. Promotion in the spirit cannot come from man, does not come from man. Impossible. All things of the kingdom come only from God. Only from God. Man can facilitate it, but only God can actually do it. And then he says, I've got the rest written here. Thank the Lord. Verse 3, Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, has this, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of God, the, the will of God our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ. Notice it says you're turning away from him, not from a doctrine. It's a personal revelation. It's a personal relationship. It says you're turning away from a person, not a belief system. Hello. Not a belief system. An actual, you're turning away from him. And it wasn't turning away from him and doing bad things. They were turning away from him, not seeing his work as sufficient, and going back to try and earn what he's already given them. And when the Bible says that you have fallen from grace, I have heard it preached that to fall from grace means to do something beyond God's forgiveness, and that is a heresy. 
He literally says in Galatians, this is not in the notes, it's a little rabbit hole. I'll shoot that rabbit in just a second. To fall from grace means to fall from relying on the finished work of Christ and move back onto what I can earn as a foundation for salvation. You have fallen from grace. You have fallen from the unmerited favor that Christ gives you that he lived up to for you on your behalf. That's what it means to fall from grace. Anyway, verse 7. He says, verse 6, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Now we read that and we're like, that's severe. Well, how many false religions now exist in the world that are a branch of some Christianity thing, but an angel came. I mean, it's like they never read it. An angel came. Some angel came and gave them better revelation. No. No. Paul said, this is going to happen. And it's happened so many times. And people say, well, if you were there. No. He said it's going to happen. Anyway. As we have said before, verse 9, So now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. For now, do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. So when we talk about the death of Christ, he says in Galatians 3, the first, well, we, I will call it the first death in the book of Galatians, that clearly before your eyes, in other words, in his preaching, I portrayed Christ among you as crucified. He said, I made it so plain to you. And so we look at these few, first few verses which set up the book of Galatians in this thread of what it means to die, but also to be free. To die to self, but also to be free. And we look to identify with how God and Jesus did it. And so we're going to look at, just put three lenses on quick. The first lens is the first verse that God raised him from the dead. It is only God who can give life to dead things. Very important to understand that. Only God can bring life or give life to something that is dead. And I'm not just talking physical death, spiritual death. What about the death of your dreams? What about a dead relationship? What about death in the family? What about death, any form of death? What about dying souls when you're just crushed? God can bring life where there is death. No one else. And what is resurrection? You know, the difference between resurrection and being raised from the dead is everyone who was ever raised from the dead dies again. Lazarus. Jesus experienced resurrection. Never to die again. But when he went to Thomas, he said, touch me. Thomas said, well, you know, shame poor Thomas. He's forever thought of as doubting Thomas. And yet it was Thomas who gave the gospel to India and turned that whole country around, many obviously back then. But he said, you know, touch me. And he says, he put his finger, you know, put your finger in my hole in the hand and you had your fist in my side. And so Jesus was alive, yet he bore in his body the things that killed him. Think about it. He was alive. Yet his body bore the scar and the mark of death, but it no longer affected him. 
didn't, didn't bug him. Didn't. So he was actually the only one who ever looked like what you would see today as a zombie. That's personally why I think. I do. I think that the enemy is trying to mock it. That's why it's become such a thing. Because the only one who ever actually walked around alive with the things that killed him was Christ. Resurrection, resurrection power in a person's life practically. Who of you have ever walked through something and it's like you died, but now you're on the other side of that? You still bear the scar, but it doesn't affect you anymore. Hello? You have power there. You have authority there. And when you speak about it, it, it matters, whatever that thing is, because that's resurrection. But only God can bring life with his death. Only God can bring life on the other side of that. So that's the first lens. The second lens, and we apply these to each one, is these deaths we die. It says here about Jesus, it says, who gave himself. He gave himself for our sins. These deaths we die, that we choose, they are embraced by choice, it's not by force. You can't force a person. Just die to self. You can tell a person to die to self all day long. You're actually empowering the opposite. You are not their Holy Spirit. Let the Lord bring them there, or let life bring them there, which is harder. And they will make a choice. And thirdly, we see it says that he might deliver us from this present evil age. Every one of these deaths we're going to talk about lead to a greater freedom, to a greater lease on life. Who knows that you've been saved, you walk with the Lord a while, and then something happens, and you, who's heard it? I feel like I got saved all over again. I feel like just that's what I'm talking about. It's like a new lease on life. Because you've walked through something, now you've come out the other side, and there's a life that is released because something died, something that was never meant for you, something that's not from the Lord, something that's from the enemy. But you had to make a choice, and you had to put that thing to death, even though technically it died already when you got saved. So, let's go look. I am crucified with Christ, Galatians 2. You guys still good? I trust, even though we're speaking about dying, I trust that it's helpful to you and encourages you in the day in which we live. Then after 14 years, verse 1, after four, 2 verse 1, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, and I took, took also Titus with me, and I went up by revelation. The NIV says, I went in response to a revelation. You know that you can, be, you can have so much revelation in your life. You get people, even in this room, that have what I call a revelation gift. They read the Bible, they get revelation. They look at a person, they get revelation. Revela revelatory people, prophetic people. You can have so much revelation, but it means nothing if you don't respond to it. Until you respond to the revelation that God has given you, that shows whether you believe it or not. It just remains revelation. When you respond to it, it becomes real. Now faith is required. Now you can stand on it, and it's tested. And he says, I went up by revelation and communicated to them the gospel which I preached among the Gentiles. But privately to those who were of reputation, lest by any means I might run or had run my race in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. So he's dealing with this issue of Jesus plus. And this occurred because a false brethren secretly brought in who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. 
Let me just say this. That bondage he's talking about is not talking about the bondage of sin. He's saying we have such liberty in Christ and these people, the Jesus Plus group, they came in to bring us back into bondage, referring to what? The law. Which we were just set free from. To whom we did not yield submission even for an hour. Don't you love it? It's like, <clears throat> like no. The truth that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Verse 11. Now when Peter, I love this, great Peter, whose shadow healed people, who stood up and preached and 3,000 got saved, he still had a Jesus plus condition. After all of those things, he went back to, I think we need, and he walked with the Lord. We need it because of an insecurity. Look. Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. And they remained friends after this. That's wonderful. For before certain men came from James, that would be Jerusalem, he would eat with the Gentiles, Peter. But when they came, all these Judaizers came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision, fearing what they would say about him, fearing that maybe they would mock him, or fearing that they would cut him off saying, you don't have the real revelation of Christ. So out of insecurities, like, uh... And the rest of <clears throat> the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. Paul's pretty blunt. We need some Pauls again. But when I saw that they were not straightforward, here it is again, about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, if you, being a Jew, live in the manner of a Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? Who are we who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. For if while we seek to be justified in Christ, we ourselves are found sinners, that means in the company of Gentiles, they were considered sinners. Is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. Then he says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Famous verse. And the life which I now live, it says it like this in the, I think, the New Living Translation. I have been crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Nevertheless, I live on. It's like you just said you don't live, now you do live. It's like, it's just confusing. What he's saying is this. I have been crucified. The old man was crucified when I put my faith in Jesus Christ. Because it's death by identification. If I take this, this is you, okay? And this is Christ. Actually is. If I take this and I put it in here and I close this, whatever I do to this Bible, I do to that piece, that whatever it is. If I dip, dip it in the water, if I throw it against the wall, whatever happens to this happens to the tissue because it's inside of it. You are in Christ. When you get saved, whatever happened to him happened to you. So he was crucified, therefore you were crucified. He was raised, therefore you were raised. Raised to life in your spirit and you receive a new creation person, a new creation, a new man. That's what it is to be saved. 
And he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, now he's saying, but I'm still physically alive. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. But I do not set aside the grace of God. In other words, I don't trust in the grace of God for my salvation. And they're like, thank you, that's so nice. Thank you, Jesus, that's wonderful. And now I'm going to go and do it all by myself. No, the grace of God has to continue as your foundation and the grace of God, what he earned, what you cannot, and also the grace of God, what he can empower you to overcome, what you cannot by yourself. Take that grace and walk into life with it. Because flesh will never kill flesh. What I mean by that is the sin nature, the old nature, the flesh nature will never destroy the things. It never destroy itself. <coughs> Sorry. Who knows we still have the flesh. The old nature was crucified with Christ. I believe that with all my heart. The sin nature is dead. Sin nature is dead, but it still has a voice. It still speaks to me. Hey, hey, hey. Right? Yeah? Real life still speaks to me. But it's dead. People say you have two personally. No, it's dead. Colossians says it was nailed to the cross. So it's dead. But it still speaks. And when it still speaks, if I think that me and my self-discipline and me and my strength of my own will and me and my good education can overcome the things that it's trying to bring before me, I'm a fool. Because my flesh will never kill my flesh. (coughs) Sorry. My flesh will never kill my flesh. The Spirit of God will lead me, and the grace of God will empower me to overcome that which is in a sense already dead but still has a voice. Is this making sense? For I through the law died to the law. Romans, uh, sorry. Galatians 2.19, for I have been crucified with Christ, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if a righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Can we go to Romans 7? Romans 7 says this, it says the same thing. Can I have that napkin thing, babe? Sorry, I'm sweaty. Shock. Just one. Thank you. Romans 4 says, So my brothers and sisters, says the same thing. You also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him, that's Jesus, who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit to God. For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work within us. The Bible says that the law has certain functions. It gives you a knowledge of sin. If the law didn't, actually, I think it says it here. For when we were in the realm of the sinful of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us, so that we bore fruit for death. But now by dying to what once bound us, what is it that once bound us? The law. We have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. That's interesting. It sounds a lot like Galatians 2.19. For through the law I died to the law that I might live to God. We have been released from the law so that I can serve. So they're two very similar things. But it was like he says, "I I was bound by the law. 
So it's like, Sam, can you come here real quick? Sorry. It's a very handsome man, single, I think. Actually, I don't know. No, he's not. It's not single. So, bound by the law. So if I had a rope, and I, I just I couldn't find one. But if I tied a rope, just pretend there's a rope, do something. There we go. So there's a rope. Every person born on the earth is bound by the law. Why? Because they're bound by a requirement that they can fulfill. They're bound by something that they can't live up to. And they're also born, Romans 6 says, as sin is your slave master. So they're born in jail to sin because they have sin in here. The muscles. I used to have muscles. It was great. Um, they, they, they have a rope around them. They're bound by law because they can't fulfill it, but they're also a slave to sin. That's how every person is born. When a person gets saved, what happened to Jesus happened to you. So he fulfilled the law. You wake up every morning as if you fulfilled the law, even though you're still messing up. That's called identification with Christ. I was crucified with Christ. I don't wake up to live up to. I wake up having lived up to because of Jesus. So I wake up and I'm like, I'm not bound anymore. But then what we do with that liberty is we run right back to the slave master and say, I feel so free, I can just do what I want. And I run right back to sin and go, I'm so free, Jesus loves me so much, I can do this and he'll forgive me. I can do that and I can do that. Sure. But why go back to prison? Why? Thanks. Because you were born a slave of sin. And that's the battle. I'm going to have to wrap this up somehow. I've been crucified with Christ. My identity has changed. I know in my heart I'm right with God. I feel free. It's like, remember when you got saved, it's just Jesus. Jesus, I've still got issues, but it doesn't even feel like I do. It's just Jesus. Everything, Jesus. Tell everyone about Jesus. Who remembers? That's like the first death is great. I'm crucified with Christ. I identify with Jesus. I, man, I'm saved. No fear of death. My eyes have been opened. I know what I exist for. I have a purpose. I'm an eternal being. It's like, just wow. Then you walk with the Lord for a while. And I'll just read this, begin to shorten this. You walk with the Lord for a while, and it says here in Galatians 5.24, those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Huh. That one's not so fun. Because that comes after Galatians 5. We all learned it in children's church. The works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. We know it. It says... Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not, verse 16, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, adultery, fornication, lewdness, uncleanness, idolatry, sorcery, and it goes through the list. By the way, that word sorcery there is pharmakeia, drugs. So it goes through this list. Then it says, but the fruit of the Spirit, and we all learned that with the little fruits. Remember the fruit, children, church? A banana and a this. These are the fruits, and for some reason a banana is always long-suffering because it's long. Made me hate bananas. <laughs> you know, whatever. We have fruits of the Spirit. 
But I'd just like to point this out real quick. It says, the works of the flesh and the fruit. Work is something you do. A fruit is something that happens naturally because of a root system. Jesus said you cannot, a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. So then you get saved, and you're like, oh, free, the rope is gone. You go to church, and they're like, you need to be a better person. You need to do this, and you need to do this, and you need to perform, and you need to live up to. And don't you see the fruit of the Spirit? You must be like this. Now you've turned fruit into work, and it ain't work. doesn't work very well. Instead of saying, stop trying to fix a dead tree. Stop trying to get apples from a, different, from a rotten tree. When you get saved, your root system is replaced. He kills the old tree. He gives you an entire new root system. So the answer to how not to live in the flesh is yes, to walk in the Spirit. But the answer to that is focus on what happened on the cross, what He did for you. Focus on grace. Focus on what He's done for you. Focus on His love for you. Let that go deep into the roots of this new tree, which is the history. That's why Matthew chapter 1, New Testament, starts with the history, the physical lineage of Christ, because that's now your lineage. Because you're in Him. What happened to Him happened to you. But there's a battle inside. Who knows that tug of war? We've that feeling of freedom. I'm crucified with Christ. Then we walk a while and the Spirit says, okay, let's put some of these things to death in your life. Let's crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. And you're like, well, I don't want to do do that. (laughs) Jesus will forgive me. He loves me. Oh, absolutely, son. Yeah, so let's just carry on. Okay. God, where's the more of God? God, let your spirit come. God, let your fire fall. You can't earn it. He's like, oh, son, I would love to do that. But if I do that while you're stuck in this bondage, because you see, friends, sin is deceptive by its nature. It came through a lie. Sin is deceptive. If you could see how deceptive and destructive sin was, truly see it in the spirit realm, some of the things that you're playing with now in your life, you would run from. You would run. Because it, 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 it's a path, and it's always dead at the end. Death. You would run, screaming. But we can't see it, but the Lord can. So I'll say it like this, and I've, said, I've given this example before. It's a personal experience I had, so I just... It really helped me understand this. I, after I got saved, I had a, it's one of my first, like a vision. It wasn't an open eye vision, but it like overtook me. And I saw, uh, it was me and the Lord, and we're standing there in this just long, massive room. I, I don't know how to explain it. And there were these laser curtains. You know a laser curtain when it's not the beam, it's like a whole laser, like a whole curtain? And there were these laser curtains, one after the next. I don't know how many there were. And I was standing in the beginning with the Lord. But I had this massive big burden on me, like a, like a big as a car, just like a, and it was made up of like weirdly, like pieces of Play-Doh that were all like, you know, they could be separated, but it was all these different things all mashed together. And I'm standing there with the Lord with this massive stuff. And, and so we go through the first couple like laser curtains and we're talking. And then I, and I'm like this, and the Lord's taking me forward. He's taking me, teaching me in this vision, signs and wonders, or, 
or things of the Spirit, or how to hear the voice of the Lord. He's taking me deeper into the things of the kingdom. And then all of a sudden hit a curtain. It was like, Zzz, and I couldn't go through. And, the, and I said to the Lord, why can't I go, come, go with you over there? He said, oh, you can, but you have to take some of this stuff off if you want to go beyond here. Some of them were people, friends, habits. He said, oh, I love you, and if you want, I'll never forget this. He said, I said, I love you so much. If you want, I'll stand here with you forever. It's up to you. I said, Lord, I want you. So he said, well, take some of that stuff off because we need to go forward. And some of that stuff came off, and then we would walk through a bunch of laser curtains. I hit another one. And I'd say, what now, Lord? Forgetting how, what joy I've just had by getting rid of the last ones. And he said, if you want to come, and it went like that. And as I went through with the Lord in this vision, more stuff had to come off. And I realized that at the end, his goal was I would look just like him. Two of us standing there, nothing on me. But I came to a place where some of the things, for years, I struggled. I said, Lord said, if you want to come with me, I love you where you are, but if you want to come, if you want to go forward, you've got to lay this down. Lord, I don't want to lay that down. Lay it down, son. It wasn't even like, it's not even sometimes a sin issue. We don't sometimes get to know why. He just says, put it down. You can't carry that where I'm taking you. And there's a battle. There's a battle in the heart of crucifying the flesh. But you can apply each one of those lenses to it. Only God, after that, God will give, bring a life that in that place you never knew existed in the kingdom. But you embrace it by choice, and it leads to freedom every time. Sometimes it's hard. And the last two I'll just mention, Galatians 6.15. It says here, let's go to verse 16. No, let's go to verse 11. Galatians 6.11. See with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand, as many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised. In other words, Jesus plus only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. In other words, they were adjusting the gospel so that it was less offensive in their culture. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. In other words, we made them, we got them saved. We. But God forbid that I should boast in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom has this, by whom the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world, the last two, very quickly. Under that law of that time, oh, I see the time, I need to end. Under the law of that time, to be crucified, you were considered dead, you were considered a dead man and lost all your rights the moment you took up the cross. You could walk up to a person on the cross, throw a bucket of filth on them, stab them, hit them, do whatever you want, spit on them, kick them, because they were considered already dead. They lost all their rights. And it was vile was disgusting. It was shocking to look at. People torn apart. Paul says, the world is like that to me. It's disgusting to me. 
I don't want any part of it anymore. That battle, Lord, I don't want to lay this down. He said, that is gone because I see through the deception of the sin. I see through the deception of culture. I see right through it. I see where it goes. I see the enemy's hand in it. It has nothing in me. I don't want it anymore. I don't struggle with it. I don't, I don't care for it. I don't even like being around it. I don't even like thinking about it, talking about it. It's disgusting to me. That's what he's saying. The world is just, I, it has nothing for me. That's what he's saying. And that, there is a place in God where that happens. In an area of your life. Or maybe in a big, a big part of your life. Jesus said before he died two things. The enemy has nothing in me. The world has nothing in me. Paul is saying, the world is like a crucifixion to me. It's being crucified to me. I see it. It holds nothing for me. He had got that war, that battle is over. Now you walk in resurrection power. Not because you've earned it by your good behavior. That's what Galatians says. Yes, you can walk in resurrection power, but not because you earned it by being a good Christian. Oh, start again. Because you let stuff go that would dilute and pollute the flow of God's Spirit through you. And then he says, and I have been crucified to the world. That's when the world starts to hate you because you want nothing to do with it. People say, oh, that sounds, it ain't fun. I've experienced it to a very mild degree. I'm no Paul. I still have tug-of-war issues. We all do. But Jesus said to his disciples, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, it's been crucified to you. Because you are not of the world, therefore the world hates you. There's coming a time where some of us will have to, in a sense, stand with all the love that we can, with all the love that we can towards people, but be unmoved when it comes to the truth of the gospel. And it will cause the world to treat you badly. Consider yourself in good company. Because the Spirit will lead every person down that path. He will take you as far as you're willing to say yes to Him. And sometimes it hurts. But if what is on the other side, I can promise you it's worth it. It's worth it. Because you get Him in the exchange. So I encourage you, even if while I'm speaking today, this week, the Lord puts his finger on, you can't put your finger on somebody else's issues. You know he was speaking to you about this issue. Stop doing that. You've just made it harder for them to overcome because through the law that you've just put on them is knowledge of sin. You're not helping them. In your own heart, the Lord says that. He's not asking you to measure up. He's asking you to become free and stop running back to jail because you, don't, you shouldn't sell so cheap. Your value is more than that. You're made in His image. Amen. Bless you. We're going to have to leave it there.
Can we quickly stand? Come, Dwayne, come. Can I just pray for us real quick? I know that's an abrupt ending. But this thing in Galatians, I ask you to go read it. Let God minister to your heart. And as soon as we're done praying, run and go get your children so I don't get into trouble with the children's church teachers. (laughs) Heavenly Father, I thank you that there's always grace in your kingdom. Your grace is sufficient. Your mercy is new every morning. You don't just want good behaved, good little children. You want free children. Free. And for that I thank you. May we surrender things this week and even right now in our hearts. If there's something in your heart right now, say it out loud, just between you and the Lord, under your breath. God, I give you this. Oh God, I've tried. I can't. Help me. By your Spirit, flesh can't kill flesh. Help me to give this to you because I want to go forward in the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.